Now it's time for a breakdown. Hello, I'm Larry David. I basically want to address uh, the idiots out there. And you, you know who you are. You're going out. I don't know what you're doing. You're, you're socializing too close. It's, it's not good. You're hurting old people like me. Well, not me. I have nothing to do with you. I'll let it to you. But, you know, other, let's say other old people who might be your relatives. Who the hell knows? One for the money, yes sir, two for the show A couple of years ago, on Headland and the low What's the starter? Something good Well, me and Brooklyn, I wrote the martyr Through the hood, just trying to find that hookup Now every day we looked up at the ceiling Watching ceiling fans go round Trying to catch that feeling off instrumental Had my pencil and plus my paper We caught the 86 lot on your head At 2 decade writing rhymes Trying to find our spot off in that light Light off in that spot Knowing that we can rock Doing the hole in the wall club Did it shit here must stop Like freeze Never gonna get it 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 The problem is you're passing up a fantastic opportunity A once in a lifetime opportunity to stay in the house, got, got to pay back. sit on the couch and, and watch, watch TV. I mean, I, I don't know how you're passing that up. Well, here it is. I'm mad. Go home, watch TV. Get back. That, that's my advice to you. I need some get back. Pay back. Pay back. Nothing good ever happens going out of the house. You know that. There's just trouble out there. It's not a good place to be. So stay home and, you know, don't see anyone. Hey, baby, what you know good? I'm just getting back, but you knew I would. War is hell. When will it end? When will people start getting together again? Are things really getting better Like the newspapers said What else is new, my friend Besides what I read Can't find no work, can't find no job, my friend Money is tighter than it's ever been Say, man, I just don't understand what's going on across this land. Oh, what's happening, brother? Yeah. What's happening? What's happening, my man?
start to think of like lifetime companionship and that's when they start to meet ladies who are not too prone to trust anybody and they got plenty of history to prove to you why they shouldn't trust nobody but at that time in your life you're saying hey but I didn't know you then when all that stuff was going down Put them other cats away, man. Change your number, you know. Move. And let me try to make something in your life. I'm the mother flippin'. I'm the mother flippin'. I'm the mother flippin'. Who's the mother flippin'? I'm the mother flippin'. I'm the mother flippin'. I'm the mother flippin'. Mother flippin'. Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's Winslow tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow. John Reed, you're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is the show that, if you play it backwards, it's still Race to the Bottom. It's tricky. Tricky stuff. In the background, as always, you're hearing Bremer and McCoy. Gotta send them correspondence, get these guys on the show, right? You might be able to tell, I'm not live. Well, I am. I'm a live person right now recording it, but it is Thursday night. Mm, that's good. 
That's Winslow Dark. <laughs> Thank you, as always, to Winslow T for sponsoring this and every monologue. Let me take another sip. Mm. Please uh, slurp to enhance and uh, steep into the conversation. Yeah, so I just flew from my parents' house, Norfolk, Virginia, to Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. And then took the train. I pulled up. I got to do this show tonight because I got something going on. As you listen, dear listener, on Saturday, I've got something going on that I can't, I can't miss. But you know how the how the pre-records are. This is just how the pre-records are. And you know what else was pre-recorded is that mashup. How about it? That was mashup 46, and I made it about a year ago today. In the depths of COVID despair, we heard from Outcast, Elevators, me and you. Your mama and your cousin, too. There was a big argument on Twitter this week about whether Outcast is better than the Beatles. I don't know about all that, but I do love Outcast. I played, we played that song in marching band. That was a cool one to play in marching band. We had a cool band teacher who would let people bring in songs of the day, remains of the day. I I should do a whole show based on songs that we played in marching band. That would be fun. Let me pencil that in. And now it's time for a breakdown. This was fun. We did this. The origin of the En Vogue song, Never Gonna Get It, which I told you, shout out to Listener Tim. That's a good name for you, Tim. Listener Tim. He was my best friend growing up, and we used to go down to Ward's Corner in Norfolk. It's not Norfolk. People on the stewardess, the flight attendant, said, Welcome to Norfolk. You could tell she's not there. You can tell she's not from from there. It's Norfolk. Schwa. But Tim and I used to go to tracks, records and tapes, one time we walked all, all the way there. That must have been three or four miles. And Tim bought the En Vogue cassette of Never Gonna Get It because he thought it was so funky. It was. And the reason why it was so funky was because it was sampled from the master of soul, Godfather of Soul, master of funk, James Brown. You know him, James Brown. Off his song Payback. We heard from Larry David. He he was one of the people who gave uh, masking advice, stay-at-home advice, around this time last year. Might need to re-up that if these uh, variants... If the variants out, outpace the vax. Some people might, n- might need to be heeding Larry's advice. Larry! Also, one time, Tim and I went to Tracks, and I bought the Man in the Box, Alice in Chains, single, 
and we came back and blasted it. And then I started this whole show out with talking about if you play this show backwards, it's still a race to the bottom. I, I, it was the satanic panic around that in the early 90s, early to mid 90s. You remember that? Like exorcisms on 2020? For some reason, I got it in my head that this the song Man in the Box, even though it rocked so hard that they, I got in the, my mind that they were Satanists. And I smashed the tape. I took it out of the cassette player and smashed it. We heard from Marvin Gaye, What's Happening, Brother? More on that later. We heard from Bill Withers, Let Me In Your Life intro. Bill passed away this time last year. We heard both versions of Heartbeats, the original and the cover, by, what is they the, the band, the original is The Knife, and then the cover was Jose Gonzalez. We heard from Flight of the Concords. I talk about Flight of the Concords. I talked about them with Seth Simons. We were watching that this time last year. Might need to re-double, triple dip on that one. So I went back home, got on a plane for the first time since everything's gone down, but the plane did not go down. My school is on spring break and got to see the the folks and my couple of my nephews and my sister. It was good. It's so strange though. Everything's so strange still. It's uneasy but good. It's crazy on a plane, like, sitting right next to people. And I supposedly, it's that that's not a, a vector for transmission. There hasn't been big outbreaks on planes, right? I mean, I'm vaxxed, but I'm just saying in general, I guess there's good ventilation, but you do seem to be right up in somebody's business. But people have been saying... The masks on on the planes might be a need to be a permanent thing. No colds, right? You always get sick after flying. We got to wear the masks from here on out, right? We got the practice. But went home to my parents. My mom said it well. There's not much to catch up on, even though it it feels like been through a lot you know you keep in touch text and zoom it's not like <laughs> a lot's happened We've been in the apartment walking around the neighborhood nobody's going on any trips or anything no major life changes but it's just good to be around the family Hopefully we've grown in ways that we don't know. I think we'll we'll still it'll take a while to to see it. But it kind of reminds me of, and I I said we we're going to get back to it. We are. Reminds me of the character and the that Marvin Gaye song, "What's Happening, Brother." This this character I think is based on his brother. Got back from Vietnam. He says, "Hey baby, what you know good? I'm just getting back, but you knew I would." 
War's hell, where, when will it end? When will people start getting together again? Some parallels there. Are things really getting better like the newspaper said? What else is new, my friend, besides what I've read? Can't find no work. Can't find no job, my friend. Money is tighter than it's ever been. Say, man, I just don't understand what's going on across this land. What's happening, brother? What's happening, my man? So good. And I've talked about how Marvin Gaye wrote What's Going On. And this is like the sequel to What's Going On, this song. I mean, it's kind of like the bookend. Very similar vibe. But the he wrote the song What's Going On. And Barry Gordy, head of Motown, he didn't want Marvin Gaye to put it out. He said, no, nobody wants to hear that kind of thing from you. They want love songs. He said, let me, just give me this. I made so many hits for you. Give me this one one shot. It was huge. And then Barry Gordy was like, oh my God, we need an album. They recorded What's Going On in two weeks. It's a masterpiece. We'll listen to some more What's Going On. Another song and a round of sound. But yeah, coming coming back to the nest like an osprey. There was it's just so this is crazy. There's this New Yorker. Yes, the New Yorker. The New Yorker article about ospreys. I sent it to my mother in law because she's a, a bird watcher. It's really beautifully written. It's in I think it might just be online on the online edition. I'm not sure if it's in the magazine. But this person watches the bird cam. It's these different bird cams at different universities and zoos and stuff have their bird cams. They have one on this osprey's nest. It's this huge, like, four-foot nest. Like, 40-pound thing. And the essay was basically about how 2020 was also bad for these ospreys. They had their chicks, but all the chicks died. I guess they figured out that there was this parasite that was in the nest. It killed the hatchlings. Is that what you call them? So the, the ospreys, who usually mate for life, this couple... Osprey couple flew away, but they just arrived back at the nest. The writer talks beautifully about the pain and the beauty and all that stuff. So I went out on the beach with my my father, Dr. Dad. Your doctor, my dad. We sat down. It's kind of windy, nice afternoon. He'd worked a half day, came home. We went down and, and, and sat there. We brought our books to read, but we ended up just talking. Two ospreys. Diving. Flying. For the whole hour we were talking, flying over our heads. We, I thought they would just, they'd disappeared. Then they'd come flying back again. Covering miles. It's beautiful. 
beautiful scene. And the question, were they the same birds? Maybe they're the same birds. I didn't even, I don't remember where the, I want to believe that they're the same birds from the article. That's a story, right? A lot going on under the surface in that one. It's like Hemingway's iceberg. You know that one? He said in a good in a good story, you only see the top five percent of the what's going on. There's all this other stuff underneath, like an iceberg. Man, there's this Ken Ken Burns. You know Ken Burns. Linovic got a new Hemingway joint on PBS and I came to it with some mixed emotions there's been some valid criticism that PBS and they have this ongoing special relationship with Ken Burns and Ken Burns has done some good stuff he he He's done some not-so-great stuff like Shelby Foote and omitting Mingus from the jazz thing, basically. Talking about Bix Spiderbeck for 45 hours. <laughs> not even talking about Mingus. Come on. But be nice to give give some of that love to uh, somebody, some other people. Maybe somebody who's not a white boomer man, straight. I don't know. Maybe that's just identity politics, but it's what was what people have been people have been talking about it, as our former president said. It makes sense to me to. Spread spread around the give it's a public it's public broadcasting. There's more people in the public than some guy with a beard that looks like he was drawn on his face with a sharpie. He's like the Lego. He's got the there's the Lego characters who have the same beard. It's a Lego beard, but. Anyway, so I I go and and you know and Hemingway's a got his pluses and minuses for sure, which they cover in in the documentary. But then it almost took the cake. They have the people reading, you know, the different characters and who plays Hemingway, but the lovely Jeff Daniels. That guy's such a douche. If if you've ever seen an interview with Jeff Daniels or listened to one, this fresh air interview with him, the most self-important. Jeff Daniels is like the person that they made the phrase OK Boomer for. So I was I was I was down on it. I was I watched it with my parents while we were playing Scrabble. I won, by the way, finally the third. We played a series of three and I finally won triple word score with the double letter combo it's lethal 
get some K's and some X's in there. Can't remember which word I played. Anyway, I told my mom about my misgivings. She kind of she kind of agreed, concurred. But that was at the beginning of the documentary, given kind of his bio. He seems so like such a sketchy person to the people he loved. But then they started getting to the writing, and it's just un- unbelievable. A dude can write. So I'd say, in context, Hemingway for me is not canceled. If you're taking out your cancel meter, just taking into consideration farewells to arms by itself, that's enough for me at this point. We'll come, we'll come, we can revisit him. He's escaped the race to the bottom cancellation axe. But anyway, a lot going on below the surface. Man, I gotta find that. He says, this is from A Farewell to Arms. He said, the world breaks everyone and afterward many are strong at the broken places. But those that will not break, it kills. It kills the very good and the very gentle and the very brave impartially. If you are none of these, you can be sure it will kill you too. But there will be no special hurry. That's good and sad, which leads us to our final. Good and sad. We had our votes pour in. Never gotten so many votes. It was, and it was tight. But one of these two won. We, got, we had green jumpsuit versus forensics. Let me go ahead and set the scene for these two. March Sadness was a single elimination tournament style contest between listeners' saddest memories. We had judges judge the, the first, the round of 16 and 8 and 4, and then people voted. Listeners voted on this final contest, and it was between green jumpsuit and forensics. Forensics. Let me read what forensics was. This is from a listener in in our Southern Conference. In high school, I had an on-again, off-again relationship that for much of my senior year was in an unacknowledged limbo. We'd get together and snog, as the British say, but never quite publicly declared ourselves to be dating. We were both on on the forensics team, and these trysts would sometimes happen when we went to tournaments out of town. In the depths of winter, a small, one might say elite, group of us competed in a tournament several states away. She and I hung out that weekend, but we had not gotten physical yet. As was often the case, we had a long van ride back home through the night on Sunday. In anticipation of a night of romance, I scored a seat in the back corner of the van and was ecstatic when she sat beside me. I thought it was a little weird that her ex-boyfriend sat beside us as well, but being an eager young man, I did not really care. What I could not have known at that time, but would be revealed to me over the course of the next several hundred miles, was that there was still an ember between the two of them. Predictably, their flame was rekindled, and I spent the night listening to their kissing noises and being bumped by their knees and elbows, while the driver smoked cigarettes and I looked out at dark, soggy Midwestern cornfields. 
So the sad 16 judge said, I prefer forensics for its reversal of fortune element. I also like how the sense of the self goes from high, one might say elite, to extremely low. Not when the girl refuses to acknowledge him as a romantic interest all senior year, but only when he becomes a trap seatmate next to the kissing couple, forced to witness his hopes dying a cornfield backgrounded death. These judges write as good as the listeners. Thank you, uh, Chambers McSullivan Law Firm. Then the Defeat 8 judge said, First of all, a high school forensics team? Without about with out of town tournaments, my high school had a volleyball team. Once we went to Staten Island. Anyway, this is a pretty sad one. Were there no were there really no other seats in the entire van? It seems unusually cruel to sit next to your former boyfriend while snogging with your former former boyfriend. And then the. The judge that sent this to the final said, I go for forensics as well and totally agree with the sad 16 judge. The sad irony of this fan situation and such a common love triangle is really a bummer. All right, so that went up against Green Jumpsuit, which reads as follows. A couple of years ago, my father went to prison. There are so many sad moments involved in that both in the lead-up to it happening, through the sentencing, and then the horrible reality of it actually coming to pass. Some of the things involved in that ordeal are beyond what you have in mind. A sentencing, for example, is heartbreaking beyond description, and something one wouldn't wish on their worst enemy. But some of the sadder moments were small and almost bittersweet. There was one time I went to visit by myself, I had been a few times and sort of gotten used to it. I'd grown accustomed to the staff's intimidations, the awful ambiance of the visiting room that felt like spending an afternoon in a dusty bus station, the sight of children leaping into the arms of their fathers. I'd become a nerd to the sight of my elderly father in his green jumpsuit ambling slowly toward me, a shell of his former self. This time, instead of a cross, he sat next to me, a football game was on one of the TVs. We sat and watched and chatted. We caught up, recalled old times, we laughed. For a moment, everything was fine. We were father and son again, enjoying a Sunday afternoon, watching football. But then we saw the clock approaching late afternoon. Visiting hours were coming to an end. My dad nervously took note that we better say goodbye so as not to risk any trouble. That carefree moment was over. We said our goodbyes. A guard handed me back my ID, and before I left, I turned back once more to see my father anxiously waiting. A guard would have to let him back in where the bunks were. He fidgeted with his hands as he sat looking totally helpless and vulnerable. This man, who once seemed like a giant in my imagination, waited like a child, hoping to evade a harsh punishment. I walked out to the desolate parking lot, took one last look at this horrible place, and drove away. Our sad 16 judge said, The sadness of incarceration compounds with the sadness of learning your hero is just a person, seeing with total clarity that the person who once seemed like a giant in your imagination and who only moments ago was a father enjoying a visit from his son is instead a person caught up in the crush of an indifferent system. 
devastating. The Defeat 8 judge says, It doesn't get much sadder than seeing your father in prison, small and frail, except for maybe getting used to seeing your father in prison. Bring on the sadness. And our final judge said, I strongly relate to the archetype behind this story. We all someday come to realize parents are no gods, but humans with their flaws and weaknesses. This truth is dramatically emphasized by the father's powerlessness in the prison system. It is. That judge is right. And listeners, you have spoken. And Green Jumpsuit is our winner. The listener who submitted Green Jumpsuit will have the honor of creating our July 4th playlist here on the show. So look forward to that. Excited to see what they cook up. So it was interesting being in Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Hampton Roads, Virginia. No no masks, really. I mean, there's masks in the... People do the masks inside. But no masks outside, basically at all. Which is just interesting if you're here in New York city people walk around the park and on the streets mostly for the most part masked up maybe they don't need to but just as a maybe show of solidarity or worry or how rough things were here in new york a year ago it's just night and day and you just see how i think people obviously are so Influenced by the actions of others. And that takes its shape and, you know, here in our neck of the woods in New York City, people see each other, get the peer pressure, or the general concern gets them to mask up, even when it's not 100% necessary. And then in Virginia, you look around... Nobody else, I don't want to be the, people don't like to be the odd person out. Wonder what it's like in, in like super purple areas right now, whether it's like half and half, because Virginia Beach is a very Republican area by and large, as if, if voting, usually <laughs> that is how you look at it. Voting wise, it's very Republican. But anyway, we'll see how things go with these outbreaks and variants and vaxes and There's some good signs and some not-so-great signs. Get your vax. Maybe you you too can get Moderna arm. Do you know about Moderna arm? My mom told me about it. She said she had what's known as Moderna arm, which I think is great. I guess for your first shot, really hurts. It's really bad. Maybe you can get that at the, uh, the Jabbit Center. Has anybody said that yet? Rename the Javit Center to the Jabit Center. You get it? But yeah, every it's, it was strange, uneasy, but very good to travel home. Like so much now. Strange, uneasy, hopefully getting better. It's even, you even feel it watching baseball. The Mets finally started their season. I had, we talked to Howie last week commiserated but things were off to a decent start 
it's fun, but it's it's still kind of weird. Got 25% of the people back, but it's things just still seem off, right? And that's writ large. How large is that writ? It's writ pretty large, right? But I had a, a thought, and then we'll do a round of sound, a nice long round of sound. I was going to do a political checkup, but I, I can't. I'm, I'm fading. This was a long monologue. But I've talked before, so as, as a Mets fan, when the Mets are in the field on defense, as Ken Burns, we talked about Ken Burns. Ken Burns says baseball is the only sport where the defense has the ball. But when the Mets are in the field, pitching, fielding, and the opposing team, let's say it's, it was just the Phillies. The Phillies get a couple people on base, and you're watching. You feel like it's just inevitable that the Phillies are going to score. You know, something's going to happen. Somebody said this is like risk aversion. Maybe it was my wife. But when the Mets are at bat, and you got a man or two on base, you feel like they're just going to, nothing's going to happen. They're not going to score. We're going to strike out or fly out. And it's it's just like, that's optimism or pessimism, situational. I guess it's pessimism for both, from my point of view, as a Mets fan. But neither are, are accurate, because the cold, hard reality is is random. It's down to some facts and figures, flips the coin, chaos theory. So to... Regard it objectively. You need to be somebody who doesn't care about baseball or doesn't have an emotional stake. I guess this is a long drawn out way to say that our emotions cloud our perception. But if you don't have an emotional stake, that's the point. If you don't have an emotional stake, then what's the point? So it's kind of a catch-22, right? I'd rather be a bit subjective and have my perceptions clouded by my care. Perceptions clouded by care. That's the title of today's show. And here's something I care about. I feel like I partially because it drives me crazy and partially because I think it means I'm crazy. And... God, I would love if a listener could follow up on this for me. Make me feel not so alone in the world. So, ESPN. You know ESPN, right? When they have baseball games, and I've noticed this for a few years, it doesn't matter who's playing, which stadium it is, I don't think. If you're watching the game... Along with the sound of the crowd noise on the TV, it sounds like ringing bells, detuned ringing bells. And I I thought about trying to record this on my phone while I was watching the Mets on ESPN on whichever day it was, Tuesday. But I didn't, but I should have. But if you're watching a baseball game on ESPN, when the announcers aren't talking, see if you don't hear those detuned ringing bells. It's a sound that I do not like, but you know what? There's a, there's some sounds I do like, and that's 
what's going to launch us into this round of sound brought to you by cityrunningtours.com slash new york city take a run learn the history of the city they sponsor race to the bottom and all the shows on this network so let's get kind of soulful here first off let's do another one from what's going on this is a long song but it's it's worth it right on so good and sidebar i've been watching all of the nominated oscar movies with my wife my wife and i got a couple friends of the show who are doing that as well and we're gonna do an oscar edition oscar preview edition coming up here maybe next week or the following week so look forward to that there's like seven seven movies i got one more to watch still have the father to watch with olivia coleman and what's that guy's name anthony hopkins but we watched judas and the black messiah and i'm gonna save all i i'll i'll say this i haven't seen a bad movie of these nominated films i'm really impressed by this batch of movies but in judas and the black messiah people kept saying right on it reminded me of this Marvin Gaye song. So we'll do that. I've been wanting to play this song, I'm New Here. This is, I think I've played this before on the program, but it bears repeating. This is the opening track, and that eponymous track, title track, on the album, I'm New Here. Skill Scott Heron record that was remixed by the jazz phenom Makai McRaven. He took Gil Scott Heron's vocal tracks and put new music behind them. It's pretty amazing. So enjoy that. And then we'll finish our round of sound with Stevie Wonder off Songs in the Key of Life, Village Ghetto Land, if you're listening to this show on your computer, consider downloading the app for your iPhone or your Android. It's free and it works really well. If you like what you hear and hear what you like, copyright Kent Corin. You can drop us a couple dollars. RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. While you're at the site, you can toggle over to sign up for the newsletter. We only hit you up once a month give you all the news you can use and that's gonna do it i'll see you guys live next week talk to you guys live i got a big political checkup mounting fire in the belly things are strange and uneasy but i think they're good right right for radio free brooklyn i'm john reed you're listening to race to the bottom peace
become someone different that I did not want to be but I'm new here will you show me around Yeah. 
Starvation roams the street Babies die before the born Infected by the creed Now some folks say that we should be Glad for what we have Tell me what Get to now. 